You have one unheard message. Hi, I was calling Current, the influencer marketing platform, but I think I just got redirected to a bunch of people listening to a podcast. Well, anyways, I was calling Current because I was told they could help get my brand set up on TikTok Shop and even build out an affiliate program of content creators promoting my brand and even have those content creators go on live streams and promote my product there. Wow, <laughs> I could really use Current. <laughs> I also heard that the brands they work with are making millions in sales. I guess I'll just go to their website at current.tech. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. Dispensing cannabis business knowledge beyond a million square feet of cultivation space, CannabisRadio.com proudly presents Blunt Business, harvested by Strainwise Consulting. Together, we will navigate the challenges and opportunities of one of the most profitable industries on earth. Join us each episode to hear our weekly roundtables and interviews with industry professionals. Now, let's delve into some blunt business with your host, Thanks for checking on in for another edition of Blunt Business here on CannabisRadio.com. Thank you again for joining us as you always do. It's not a cliche. It's meant to be sincere. My next guest is a serial entrepreneur and leader in the tech, lifestyle, and bev beverage alcohol industries who has redefined how the beverage alcohol industry connects with consumers online. He has consulted with the likes of AB and Bev, Pernod Ricard, Universal Music Group, Tesco, Diego, Bevmo and 7-Eleven, my guest today is the CEO of MJ, that's spelled E-M-J-A-Y, Chris Vaughn is joining us here on Blunt Business. Thanks for joining me, Chris. Thank you for having me. My pleasure. MJ is a vertically integrated cannabis retail and delivery company that, thanks to a merger with Saucy last October, uh, has existing access to 22 U.S. markets for alcohol deliveries and a robust, robust on-demand cannabis delivery service throughout Southern California. Warren Bobro, we've over in our over in our Days and Infused series, has been featured there on Forbes. Uh, spoke with you in his one of his regular Q and A columns, explaining MJ as quote helping destigmatize cannabis distribution by disrupting the traditional supply chain in the cannabis industry. So expand on that destigmatization and disruption for me, as Warren described. Sure. Well, you know, I think. Anytime you're bringing a, a formerly illegal industry into the legal world, there's obviously a lot of stigma around it. Um, even on alcohol today, which has been legal for you know almost a century, it's uh, there's still sig stigma around you know liquor stores and, and how people consume and and you know we see it we see it in the alcohol industry, um, but we definitely see it in cannabis. You know if you think about just the average customer how they maybe walk into any type of retail store. Um, they're not used to the cannabis shopping experience today of checking in with security, turning over your driver's license at the door, um, all the security measures that, that may take place um, just to shop for the products. And so I think in many ways, the view of this industry, as well as um, the operators in the industry from, from your typical consumer um, is not terribly favorable or at least has a bunch of opinions. Um, and we're trying to professionalize um, the way that people can shop for the product and show them that it's uh, probably a better experience than even having your food delivered by a, a Postmates or a Uber Eats, um, where you know, a couple times a month they maybe steal your meal or whatever it may be. How do we show terrific customer service and, and in many ways destigmatize uh, the industry from that perspective? You told Forbes uh, this during that same article, quote, just seven years ago, the largest alcohol companies in the world had almost no involvement in online shopping or last-mile delivery. We built one of the largest Bev alcohol marketplaces in the country. And through that journey, cannabis has been increasingly, increasingly on my radar for the past three to four years. So you brought yourself into this space, forward-thinking the thought of delivery, 
before even the pandemic even came into play, and also seeing what other markets are out there in terms of the rideshare market that's also trying to offer delivery in that same vein, and also seeing other apps, any kind of app that would come in for delivery in the same uh, kind of idea. So talk to me about the similarities that you see from the alcohol and beverage industry that your team is looking to leverage now on cannabis. Sure. Um, I, there's a lot. I, I, well, I'll try and segment it into a couple different sure. groups. Um, one is from a regulatory perspective, I, I think, starting with regulation and, and starting with working with regulators to make sure that you are helping move an industry forward um, as opposed to just winging it and, and having issues. So very similar approach, both in alcohol and in cannabis. Um, before we even started Saucy, you know, we sat down and met with the regulatory bodies and said, what are, you know, this is what we want to do. How can we do it not only compliantly, but what are other issues you may have, you know, a lot of cash under the table in the industry, underage drinking, whatever it may be, and how do we build tools that helps you solve for these problems as well? You know, uh, uh, required ID verification on every single order. I don't know a retailer in the country that does that. Um, uh, every single transaction is done via credit card. So, so and, and record and, and make sure that all the retailers are paying taxes properly. So our approach to alcohol, I think, was very thoughtful. We saw some food delivery players early on just turn on alcohol delivery, not speak with regulators, not do payment processing properly, not do other things prop properly, and then they got shut down and then had to go back and be thoughtful about it. So I think we've always taken a very thoughtful approach to how we work with regulated, regulated markets. Even in certain states in the country, uh, alcohol delivery, you know, the laws that haven't changed in 80 years are, are starting to change very quickly. So that could be states like Georgia, Virginia, Texas, um, where they're starting to recognize that uh, people shop for the majority of things in their life online um, and that alcohol should be no different. And when we got started seven, eight years ago, um, there really wasn't an e-commerce for alcohol. There was wine.com. You could ship it around the country, but outside of wine, you really couldn't do much. And and so we, we uh, dove into that headfirst and, and, and worked, I think, with the regulators to figure it out. In cannabis, you know, I'd say a couple of years into Saucy, we started seeing customers ask, hey, can, you know, cannabis is becoming legal or is legal. Um, would you guys consider offering it? Um, and at the time, you know, we, we said, no, you can't offer it on Saucy. It can't be, you can't order alcohol and cannabis together. Um, but it was an interesting notion from customers that uh, why can't I have, you know, cannabis delivered? Um, and I think we started to go to community meetings in, in, that were happening about cannabis and heard a lot of the same issues where local communities that maybe have too many liquor stores today and they're trying to get, you know, uh, a few liquor stores pulled out of their out of their city yeah. are very concerned that now cannabis is legal. And wait a minute, I think there's, you know, there's 45,000 liquor stores in the country. Uh, I don't want to, you know, be trying to get rid of some of those and then turn around and all of a sudden they're all pot shops. Right. So si similar concerns, not necessarily even targeted just at cannabis, but just wanting to make sure that the brick and mortar landscape didn't turn into something where, uh, you go down the street and, and every single corner is uh, is a cannabis shop. And so we heard that. And, and that's interesting because New York City, when you're looking at the legalization passing there, their idea is they want to be able to have cannabis available, the residents there, but they wouldn't necessarily want the shops, you know, scattered around right. their neighborhoods, which is the some of the basis we've seen on some of the surveys and polling that we had from a guest we had on re recently. I want to ask you real quickly, because you're mentioning Saucy a couple times, and I want to make, make sure of the fact that Saucy was merged with MJ uh, October 20, of last year. MJ originally was founded in 2019, started specifically in the Los Angeles area, and then now you added to those extra markets. What I want to ask you real quick is, before we go to break, talk to me about the merger and how the expansion from one of the, the second largest market in the country to going to 22 markets around the whole, uh, one of the largest states in the country. Sure. So, so we've been operating Saucy for close to eight years now. And um, we started at the end of 2013, launched in early, early 2014. Uh, today it serves a little over 400 cities around the country uh, doing beer, wine, spirits, snacks, mixers, um, and, and other products, convenience driven products. Um, and, you know, grow, has grown tremendously over the past few years, but obviously had a big standout year um, in 2020. Um, MJ, yeah, started in 
called 2019, um, really uh, got going in January of 2020 um, and is a vertical operator, so different than Saucy, that partners with existing liquor stores and their licenses and, and makes their inventory available online for customers to shop. Um, MJ owns and operates its own licenses and retail locations, owns all that product, um, has some holdings in cultivation as, and real estate in the industry as well. Um, but our, our footprint today is we operate all of greater Los Angeles. We also have a retail storefront. Um, and then in San Diego, we have a retail storefront, MJ store that also operates delivery. And I think that our approach in cannabis is you know, you typically see people that are only retailers or only delivery services. And we, we see tremendous benefit in having an omni-channel presence for the customer um, where we are just serving more of their needs or more of their purchase occasions with that model. I want to ask you about some comments made. Uh, recently, the CEO of Uber, Dara Kosroshahi, actually said they won't risk, uh, they, they're actually interested in once legalization is allowed, Uber wants to be able to go ahead and deliver cannabis. Quote, when the road is clear for cannabis, when federal laws come into play, we're absolutely going to take a look at it. So there's a bit of a, a clock right there. There's a bit of a timeline where, you know, there's other, obviously there's uh, other delivery services like, you know, just like MJ, but overall, the pipeline, the delivery system you want to be able to have that locked in place because once legalization comes in, obviously some major players are going to want to integrate cannabis into their, into their business model. Yeah. I, I'll sort of take that in, in three points. One sure. it, it's I, people are making big news out of it. I think it's a little, you know, what's he going to say? If you, if you tell the, the CEO of the largest transportation delivery company in the world, if cannabis was federally legal, would you look at it? And he says, yes, once it's legal, we would look at it. Of course he's going to say that. Like, well, what else yeah. is he going to say? <laughs> Two, um, uh, I think that there would be serious implications for both the industry as well as for Uber. Yeah. And what I mean by that is it is not like delivering any other product. Um, the security, the worker classification, um, and the measures that have to be in place to deliver cannabis is, is huge. And the reason that it's so important is because it is critical that in this industry you have inventory control. You know where inventory is, you don't lose inventory, you're able to track it and, and know where it is at all times so that you don't have um, uh, weed getting out into the illicit market. Um, if I'm Uber and I go into cannabis delivery, I have two options. I can either let other operators use my tools and services which is probably the way they'd have to go, or B, I'd have to operate some sort of courier model where I classify drivers as W-2 employees, uh, which is the law in cannabis, and then, I, and then they are employees of the licenses they are delivering from. I don't see a world in which Uber starts to classify drivers as W-2 employees for some types of deliveries and then 1099 contractors for other types of deliveries. Um, I think that that would get very muddy and, and continually sort of perpetuate them down this losing battle of, of worker classification for their larger business. Um, two, I don't know if you order from Postmates or DoorDash or Uber Eats, um, but I do, and most people I know do, and I would say probably one out of 10 times, um, the driver just takes your food. Uh, if you were a regulator and you are genuinely concerned about inventory control there is no world in which you should allow swarms of independent contractors or even a company that doesn't have much control over its driver drive force to deliver this product. If they're going to steal a $8 Chipotle burrito, what are they going to do with a, an average $80, $85 cart size ticket of cannabis? I think that if Uber got into cannabis from a policy perspective, and they have incredible lobbyists, and we'll try and push on this, but I think from a policy perspective, you will see more weed go missing than you've ever seen before. And I think um, what would happen is they couldn't do it themselves. They would need to acquire one of the companies. I would think one of the companies in California, they would offer a check. They could say to you, hey, Chris, here you go. We want to buy your company out. We want to take your services. We want to integrate. That would be the way they'd have to go if they were going to do it anyway. 
I, I think so. I, it's it, there. There is so much more complexity. Have 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 being in an industry where I've delivered food and alcohol and cannabis. I can tell you that cannabis is by far the most complex, has the most regulatory compliance. Um, you know, you have physical tracker. You can't just be the phone, the physical tracker in every driver's vehicle, locked cases uh, of product, the specific types of vehicles that have to be used. Um, you know, the BCC or any bureau should be able to call the license owner at any time and say, where is all your product? And you can see it on the map. All these types of things that go into it, plus security. Um, I, if I if I if if Uber Eats or DoorDash or Postmates came into cannabis delivery, like I said before, I think from a public policy perspective, it would undo so much of what has been done to help the industry safely transition into the legal market. Agreed. And again, this is so far down the line, but the fact that the Uber CEO decided to make the comments to put a spotlight on cannabis delivery is important. It's big news. And it's, yep. it's newsworthy at the least, and I thought it was good, and I'm glad we had a chance to, to ask you that question. We're going to go ahead and move along into uh, some more questions for you. I want to go ahead and ask more about uh, a few things when it comes to um, some comments you made about – I'm just going to just tease everybody with this real quick comment. If you're in alcohol, you're not talking about cannabis, then you're not thinking about the future. I want to talk about that. A few other things I want to bring up, I'm going to go ahead and ask you all about this coming up. After a short break, I'm here with the CEO of MJEMJAY. And if you want to learn more, take a look at their website, heymj.com, heymjay.com. Learn more about the company as we go to commercial break, and we'll be right back. Rolling into some sponsors, but we'll be right back with more Blunt Business. You have one unheard message. Hi, I was calling Current, the influencer marketing platform, but I think I just got redirected to a bunch of people listening to a podcast. Well, anyways, I was calling Current because I was told they could help get my brand set up on TikTok Shop and even build out an affiliate program of content creators promoting my brand and even have those content creators go on live streams and promote my product there. Wow. <laughs> I could really use Current. <laughs> I also heard that the brands they work with are making millions in sales. I guess I'll just go to their website at current.tech. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. Elevate your every day with that Shuggies feeling, with the sweet taste of Shuggies. Add a cup of Shuggies to your morning coffee. Ah, how sweet it is. Shuggies infuses cannabis and cane sugar to make it the perfect sweetener with benefits. Make your happy hour happier with a dunk of Shuggies in your drink. Order your Shuggies now at S-H-O-O-G-I-E-S dot com or find it in dispensaries throughout California. Whenever you crave a little sweet, pick up Shuggies, the sweet, sweet, take-anywhere treat. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate megastores led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, 
all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. I hope you didn't forget about us because we're back with Blunt Business on CannabisRadio.com. I'm here with Chris Vaughn, CEO of MJ here on Blunt Business. You told THC.net, and before the break, I mentioned this quote. I'm going to finish the whole quote. I only gave a piece of it. If you're an alcohol quote, and you're not talking about cannabis, then you are not thinking about the future. And if you were in cannabis, and you weren't thinking about the alcohol consumer or big alcohol, then you aren't thinking about the future either. I want you to go ahead and follow up on that point and add a little more to your point there. Sure. I mean, it's, it's a big reason why we've put together uh, two companies, one that addresses the alcohol consumer, one that addresses the cannabis consumer under one roof so that we can be at least today, the only company in the world that watches cross-industry buying behavior. Mm -hmm. And almost every conversation I have with big alcohol today, there is an element of them focused on cannabis. You saw us a couple years ago with Constellation writing a a decent-sized check into the industry. Um, A lot of the alcohol companies are investing in cannabis in Canada or other countries. they are gearing up and getting ready to go for when federal legalization happens. And they are laser focused on what it means for their existing consumer base. I, I think it's no secret that there is a huge trend in alcohol with the younger generations to drink less or to look for lower alcohol content products um, or to look for alternative products. And I can tell you definitively from what we see is there is a move in people that maybe typically drink beer, wine, spirits, that um, when they start trying particular cannabis products, that uh, the sale or their wallet starts to balance the two industries. Um, I, I, my, my consumption of wine or beer or spirits does start to go down a bit um, as I experience and get to know more and more cannabis products. And so I think if you're in big alcohol, and you address a 21 plus year old market of vice products and you aren't thinking about you know a a multi multi tens of billions of dollar industry coming online in the country um that then you will be left behind i think at the same time if you're in cannabis you know there there's a lot of consumers out there that are just all in cannabis right like I, i don't even drink i just i just use cannabis products but the majority of the market is probably people that that use some form of alcohol product and then are transferring in or thinking about transferring in. This is why I'm really excited about categories like beverage, uh, cannabis beverage, which today is a tiny, tiny, tiny fraction of sales. But we're starting to see people come into cannabis where the only cannabis product they use is a cannabis beverage. Right. Um, and so it's it's an interesting um, uh, space where if, if you're in cannabis and you, a lot of people talk about the wine consumer and cannabis is kind of similar and all this stuff. Um, I think if you if you saw some of the data that we actually have on how, how it affects buying behavior, big alcohol and big cannabis for that matter should be very interested. And I think um, understanding the customer on one side is, is only gonna help you address their needs on the other side. Um, and then the last point that I would say on that is, is you know, obviously, when federal legalization happens, um, those will be the companies that you are dealing with, right? Like big alcohol, big tobacco, in some ways, big pharma, um, all are looking at this industry and are coming in. So you better get very familiar with um, with how they think about the world. I want to ask you about that right there. You actually just segued perfectly to my next point. So there's a report from Bloomberg that I've been bringing on this show since February. I've been hampering on this. And I said to myself, you know, when I look at where legalization is right now with a new presidential administration that's been in for over 100 days as a record and knowing that legalization now by a number of Senate Democrats, they're trying to go and get a legalization bill put up to be to be passed. It's all being talked about. Safe Banking Act is also on the table. 
So lobbying is important more than ever, and it just can't be talk. It has to be some money being involved. So last year, according to a story from Open Secrets, $4 million was spent on marijuana lobbying compared to $27 million spent by tobacco lobbyists, $30 million for the beer, wine, and liquor industry. And uh, just to give you a heads up, folks, coming up on a future episode of Blunt Business, I've been talking about a new cannabis coalition made up of a wide variety of national corporations, including tobacco and alcohol firms launched with the purpose of influencing policy and potentially shaping first federal cannabis regulations. And that guest will be Andrew Friedman, executive director for the Coalition for Cannabis Policy Education Regulation, also Colorado's first uh, former cannabis czar. He'll be on an upcoming episode and from my understanding, it's not necessarily a lobbying firm, but we're going to get a clarification with Andrew. Uh, it'll be a couple episodes down from this one here with Chris, so keep an ear out for that. Now, in that coalition, the reason I bring it up, it is, again, tied together with tobacco and alcohol firms. You have Beer Behemoth's Constellation Branch, which produces Corona and Modelo beers, Molson Coors Beverage Company, two national convenience store associations, the Council of Insurance Agents and Brokers, and the Brinks Company. So... As you said, alcohol and tobacco were going to come into play. But now a coalition like this, they're all tag-teaming together in a united front to get cannabis passed. So what are your thoughts about the new alliance, and do you feel like the cannabis industry has any cause for concern based on your experience? Good question. Um, I mean, yes, lobbying will come into the space in a way that the cannabis industry has not seen before. Um it's funny that Tommy industry. Chong I interviewed a few weeks back, he wasn't surprised. He actually just thought, you know, if it's going to get past the finish line this way, not in his words, but paraphrasing, that was the idea is that, you know, you know, Kiris was never going to be coming, going across the finish line pure. There was always going to be some help with it. And, you know, some corporatization, some other factors were going to come in. People that wanted to be a part of the industry once they knew it was legalizing or at the point of legalizing, they were going to jump in at the right time. Smart man. I mean, it, it's true. I think if you want to get it fully there, you're in some ways you're going to need some help. And why not have help from some of the biggest you know, multinational conglomerates that have a long history in lobbying in the country? Um, on the other side of it, to your point is, whose interests uh, will they lobby for? You know, I think th this industry has yet to see real money. And what I mean by that is, you know, when Constellation wrote this multi-billion dollar check into this space, it basically was a kingmaker, right? Yeah. And and everyone looked at it and went, oh my goodness, that's the biggest cannabis company in the world. And oh my goodness, look at all that money. That's not that much money. Um, you know, Constellation has bought a handful of like wine skews for that same amount of money. Mm. So um, if you think about it, those dollars proportionate and even like M&A activity and alcohol, that wasn't that, I mean, it's a, it's a meaning, anytime you're writing a check of that size, it's meaningful, but it, it wasn't as crazy as, as everybody thought. And if I think if people should think of how that's going to transfer into lobbying efforts. Yeah, of course. You know, these guys have the, the means and the ability and the history. It's not just, you know, someone comes with a big checkbook, the history of being able to successfully lobby for their interests or initiatives and can do it very well. And Absolutely. If an industry is going to become federally legal and come online in the vice categories, then the largest vice players mm -hmm. in the world are going to make sure that they somewhat control that conversation and have a, a big seat at the table. And why and, wouldn't and, they? Why yeah, wouldn't and why they? wouldn't they? And, and to your point, I think it's a, it's a double-edged sword. It's um, on the one hand, I think the industry needs it. They need the help to get it fully there. Yeah. Um, on the other hand, yeah. I, I, I have full faith that the alcohol and tobacco lobbies will act in their own best interests and do it very well. But I mean, what do you, I mean, if you want to go and get across the finish line, the only way you're going to get the politicians to play ball is if the, there's money in their hand. It's, I, I don't, I mean, I know there are a lot of organizations that so well-intentioned, a lot of good organizations. I don't want to make mention, but it's a lot of talk. And unfortunately, you got to put money out there to make politicians pay attention. There's no other way around it. I just don't see another option. So with this coming in, Mike, I always keep just trying to raise the flag here and say, listen, folks, you need to pay attention to the fact that 
just like Tommy said, just like Chris, you're reiterating more or less the same idea. It's expected. Why wouldn't they jump into the space? They have the money to come in. I don't know yet what CPAIR is doing as I record this program, the, the guest I'm going to bring on. I'm going to learn about it. I'm going to, because this is, again, the association makes me think money lobby. This is a, it's a, it's a, a cash output. I don't know if it is or not. I want to find out. And so I want to give the platform before I say anything other than that. But for me right now, I want to make an a call attention to the fact that if you want diversity, equity, inclusion, if you want people that were incarcerated to have second chances, if you want all these great programs to be embedded and included into a legalization plan that gets passed, you need to make sure you contact all these companies or contact any of these companies that are going to get involved. If it's alcohol or tobacco, you need to jump in and get a seat at the table. They, there must be voices for the voices you have to budge your way in get yourself in there there has to be influence you just can't sit back and let the and let these folks just come right in and get the passage so there has to be some point where there has to be some some chance to go ahead and uh mediate to put together all the ideas together and i think you touched on a big one which is you know um a lot of those guys are coming from an industry that doesn't necessarily have the same historical criminal justice issues that this one does. And so it may be loosely on their minds, but probably not at the forefront of their minds the way that it is to cannabis operators today. Um, so that's a big one that people have to push for and make sure it's on the agenda. The way that I see it going, I think that use, having them help move the industry forward could be a good thing. Where I see it potentially being, I wouldn't say damaging, I would just say, would end up with huge and radical changes to how the market operates today is if what I watch closely is, is two things. One, the alcohol industry operates what's called a three-tiered system, which means you can only be a brand or a distributor or a retailer mm. with the exception of the wine industry. Um, that is not how some of these companies operate in other countries, like in Brazil or in China, they are more of a vertical operator. Um, and it's one of the big reasons why I was so fascinated about cannabis was when the regulations were coming down, it was, oh my goodness, you could be a vertical operator, um, which is how it should be. Now in alcohol, uh, the distributors, Southern Glaciers and, and others um, have, a, have a tremendous amount of influence um, because everything has to go through them, right? Um, they pushed early legalization days in Nevada, if you remember, for a bill that said um, cannabis had to go through distribution. And to be a distributor, have a distribution license, you formerly had to be an alcohol distributor. Um, the issue was that bill passed. And then none of the alcohol distributors actually then applied for licenses because they were worried it would mess up their business. Yeah. Um, but one area that would concern me is a lot of where cannabis, I think, gets a, a, a lot of the controls in place. You're in Florida. Like if you look at TrueLeaf, you know, you can only sell products that you grow yourself mm -hmm. um, in California, a little bit different. But a lot of the things that are helping move the industry forward, again, it comes back to inventory control and making sure the product doesn't go out into the illicit market. And I think that vertical operators help a lot with inventory control. Um, I think that if big alcohol and big tobacco push for a three-tier type of model, where all of a sudden you're ripping out the distribution component or you can you can only be a brand or retailer, some of these things get separated, that could be extremely detrimental to some of the current operators um, and, would, and would forever shape the industry in a, in a sort of a very different path. So that's one thing that I watch out for and I'm listening to very close, closely. Um, that's uh, an interesting concept. The okay. other yeah. is retail. Uh -huh. So obviously, you know, there's two players in that council that you mentioned. Um, I don't know who they are, but uh, if you are in big convenience retail or you run big alcohol retail, um, you 100% should be, should be lobbying for um, having cannabis sold at your retail locations. Right. Um, and that is really interesting. You know, if I'm uh, Circle K and 
I have thousands and thousands and thousands of stores around. So they're going to push for um, why can't I sell cannabis or why can't I sell maybe low THC thresholds of cannabis. Um, And I think that if that successfully happened, uh, you would see overnight, you would see the retail market across the country in cannabis change dramatically. And that's why I think we have a, 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 at MJ, a big point of differentiation is this digital first approach to retail because delivery in this category is very hard. Most of the convenience players can't figure out delivery of just food and regular goods. It's a difficult thing to do, let alone doing it in cannabis. Um, and so the way that we operate store locations is, you know, the stores do very well on their own, but over 70, 75% of the volume at our locations is done via delivery. And so I think what we're trying to build is I'm conscious of the fact that big retail will lobby and lobby hard for allowing cannabis to be sold in their stores, not only today's dispensaries. And I think if that's successful, one of the most defensible models out there is one that has a strong focus on delivery. The fact that you have a high demand, high ticket item that would do very well, and also cut away from the actual dispensary market on top of that. So convenience, and this is where you're answering the question, you are answering the call of convenience with MJ so these are the things all uh, this is a great conversation to have to put this all out into the in the environment so that all of you that are business owners entrepreneurs c-level executives fortune 1000 whatever all of you coming into the space all of you looking to come into the space paying attention to this this is important material we talked about right here i want to ask you about one more thing before we're going to wrap things up with chris vaughn here ceo of mj here on blunt business and chris i want to ask you uh, about the issue of the new york market we talked about it a little bit more and also follow up on something you said at the start of the show about uh, where people want to come by if they want to brick, brick and mortar versus delivery driven businesses. We're going to talk about that after a short break. And again, website is hey, emjay.com. Take a look at that while we go to break. We'll be right back. Rolling into some sponsors, but we'll be right back with more Blunt Business. Prescription products require completion of an online medication consultation with an independent healthcare provider through the LifeMD platform and are only available if prescribed. Subscription required. Individual results may vary. Additional restrictions apply. Read all warnings before using GLP-1s. Side effects may include a risk of thyroid C-cell tumors. Do not use GLP-1s if you or your family have a history of thyroid cancer. If you've struggled for years to lose weight and have given up hope, did you know you can now access GLP-1 prescription medications at TryLifeMD.com? We're now offering eligible patients online access to GLP-1s, the breakthrough prescription medication that can help you lose body fat and weight. Listen to what people are saying. It's fun to put on jeans that you couldn't get into six months ago. Every morning, I look forward to getting on the scale. For anybody who's struggling with their weight, it's a godsend. And here's the best part. Your insurance may cover 100% of the cost of your medication. So go to TryLifeMD.com to have your eligibility checked right now. Get started today at trylifemd.com. That's T-R-Y-L-I-F-E-M-D.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey, take a look at this. They're selling smart pots. They have pot that can make you smart? Where is it? Not that kind of pot. Smart pots are the best aeration container to grow your plants. Check this out. This is the original fabric container for faster producing, healthier plants. They're made with a superior fabric that delivers high yields. Plus, smart pots are reusable and sustainable, so you can use them over and over again, no matter if you use them indoor or outdoor. That's very smart, but how good are they for the environment? Smart pots are BPA-free and lead-free, so you'll always be able to ensure a pure, clean grow, and they're 100% made in the U.S. Over 28 million smart pots have already been sold, so it seems like a smart investment. Look for smart pots in close to 2,000 garden centers throughout North America and ask for the original fabric container. Find a store near you or order yours online at smartpots.com. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. 
Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson natural boneless chicken breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. I hope you didn't forget about us because we're back with Blunt Business on CannabisRadio.com. We're in the home stretch with Chris Vaughn, CEO of MJ, E-M-J-A-Y here on Blunt Business. So I noticed you've been quoted in a couple of different places. One place was Ad Age. They described the recent passage of the New York legalization as, quote, the largest cannabis market in the world and the 15th U.S. state to legalize adult use marijuana. Then I hit their paywall. So couldn't go ahead and find anything there. Then I saw some comments you made to the New York Daily News. You said the business model for cannabis distribution is a lot different than it was for alcohol starting out. Brick and mortar distribution stores aren't likely to thrive in a delivery driven business. Quote, you said, how do people shop today? Online via delivery. People like convenience. And I've already asked this question before, but it's really a continuation of what you said before the break that, first of all, New York, I said before, Consensus Strategies had a survey, 600 plus respondents, that I think they would take the approach of seeing more delivery driven as opposed to more brick and mortar distribution for cannabis. And in a place like New York, would that follow along in other states? Do you think that's a model that needs to be adopted more? Uh, do you feel like we, we might need to see where less physical stores are out there? And if so, the other thing I would keep, I would come back with is what about the chance for bud tenders to go ahead and be able to properly, not prescribe, but, uh, you know, recommend or to be able to go and let other strains or other, you know, tinctures or, or other products be showcased to lose the display portion of for a cannabis business to only go delivery driven. I mean, how do you find that balance? Where's the balance needs to be? Where does that balance need to be going forward? Good question. So, uh, um, on that last point, I mean, we operate an omni-channel uh, business for a reason. And, and we see different purchases from the same customer when they come to the store versus when they order online. And that may be things like if I'm going to spend $80 on Alien Labs, that's the type of purchase I want to come in. I want to talk to the bud tender, see flower, smell flower, whatever it may be, and, and purchase that product. But maybe my follow-on product is you know a lower price point you know, inexpensive or, or valued brand weed, and I'll just have that delivered. Um, and so we believe in offering both the experiences to the customer. When it comes to New York, I think it's pretty simple. Um, New York is the biggest delivery market in the country, in any industry. Yeah. It is how people shop in the city, whether it's pizza or clothes or food or convenience or anything. So if you look at cannabis in New York, it is also probably the biggest cannabis delivery market in the country today. Um, it's how people buy weed in New York. There aren't tons and tons and tons of trap shops everywhere. It, the, the primary mechanism for buying cannabis in New York is delivery. So if you are a state or a major city that seriously wants to make an illegal industry legal, the place that you have to start is with the customer. Who are the customers? How do they buy? And how will they buy going forward? And I don't think states are thinking along those lines. They got a lot of voices in their head. They got a lot of people talking about this, that, the other. The dispensary model is kind of, you know, comes from the industry. So they kind of go that route. But New York is not going to take an illicit market and make it legal by putting shops around the city. I mean, were they going to put up thousands of shops throughout mm -hmm. Manhattan? Like, no way. Um, so if you're not going to do that, and you know that the illegal delivery market in New York is huge, how are you going to get people buying weed legally? You have to introduce highly competitive de delivery regulations that allows professional delivery operators to run a real competitive offering to the illicit market. And if you don't allow a truly competitive legal structure, 
then you're never going to get rid of the illicit market. Yeah. Just be real about it. So I think it's a, I think it's a, it's a big move in the right direction. I think it's, it's all the Eastern states are sort of, you know, falling one after the other, but I think any major delivery market today where whether it's shoes or clothes or food or otherwise, if in cannabis, they don't introduce competitive, uh, delivery laws for real operators to come in and do it at scale, then they're not serious about legalization. You're just going to continue to have a massive illicit weed delivery market. So that that's how I think about New York. I think that if they, if they roll out the program thoughtfully, um, and allow for uh, a competitive experience for the customer, then they'll have a good chance at, at legalizing the market. But if they don't, and they don't think about the customer first, um, they're never going to get there. No, you have to be conscious of the illicit market. And, I mean, California at least had made a conscious effort. I mean, they're, they're trying to crack down. They have their Bureau of Cannabis Control. They're trying to put enforcement in place. Illinois in the same way. But... You want to keep the prices down. You want to make everything competitive. Because also the other thing, too, is the pricing that you have to go and be able to do deliveries. I mean, we already see how any other traditional, either ride share or other delivery products, the service fees are already putting on top. You know, the service fees are going to come with the, it comes with the territory. But then the price up because of the illicit market, having to put your prices up higher to go ahead and make up for the illicit market, you're pricing yourself out altogether. And forcing the illicit market to go ahead and take its take its toll. It's one of the, it's one of the biggest reasons why we chose to be a, a license holder and, and a vertical operator is, I think that if you're going to successfully run delivery operations to the customer in this space, it has to be as competitive with the illicit market as possible. And so, you know, some of these delivery services, to your point, if I'm ordering, you know, uh, Chipotle from Postmates, that eight dollar burrito magically becomes sixteen dollars. Um, delivery fees, oh, service yeah. fees, et cetera, et cetera. On MJ, because we own the product, our margin comes from the sale of the product, not from the delivery. So uh, we allow delivery services in California have a $75 order minimum, $100 order minimum. Our order minimum is $25. Wow. We have no delivery fee, and it's the same price delivered to you than if you came to one of our stores. And we intentionally undercut most of our competitors' pricing. So we are cheaper than Ease. We're cheaper than MedMen. We're cheaper than a lot of the other top stores in town. We look at their pricing and, and intentionally keep our prices under those thresholds. And we're cheaper delivered to you. So it is less expensive to have most of your favorite products delivered to your door than if you got up and drove to a MedMen in LA today. Wow. Something else. And, you know, when you look at the fact that you had MJ for so long, it was basically in Los Angeles, second largest market, and having the uh, track record of how everything's worked out with what you're doing at MJ, you know, how good of an opportunity, what are, what are the, what are, was maybe like one or two crucial things they need to do in New York in order for it to be as effective as it is in California? One of the, one of the biggest pieces of, of regulation in California that's helpful for delivery is um, if, if you're not going to have tons of licensed depots or retail locations, they intelligently made it so that drivers could carry up to $3,000 worth of product locked oh, in their okay. vehicle. Um, up to $5,000 if it's scheduled. So as long as a driver gets an order, as long as there is an order to start the day, that driver can head out on a delivery route with up to $3,000 of product in the, in the lock compartment in the vehicle. And then as long as orders continually come in for those drivers, they can go from point to point to point to point to point. Right. So what it enables us to do is from a single delivery hub, um, you know, let's say we open at 9 a.m. By 9.30 or 10 a.m., we may have effectively 100 mobile dispensaries all over the city being these drivers with, with product yeah. in the vehicles. Um, and that is, a, this is what I'm talking about with New York. That is an extremely competitive set of rules that allows a service like us to thrive and do well and, and, and make money on an order at the end of the day. Compare that to like Massachusetts where um, you can't have – uh, product in the car unless it's all pre-ordered so you can only do scheduled delivery um you don't just have one delivery driver you have to have two okay so whatever your hourly cost of a driver is your delivery cost just doubled mm -hmm. um, they have to have body cameras they have to have specific type of vehicles that you own they made the cost of delivery so high 
that it is not really competitive compared with someone just goes to the store. Yeah. Um, so it, it's it's a it's an it's it's different in every state, but I think that California looked at the customer, recognized that illicit delivery is huge, said, "How do we introduce a set of rules that allows legal operators to be highly competitive?" And they listened. They listened to the industry, and they did that. And and that's why cannabis delivery in California is is big big business. Chris, I really appreciate you taking time to talk to us today. This is really great conversation. A whole lot brought out there, and I hope people will go ahead and pay attention to this. The delivery side, it's needed to be considered. And obviously, with your experience in the alcohol and beverage industry, we want to keep an eye on. And I definitely want to keep the conversation going with you, hopefully bring you back. Not on on this show. I might have another show I want to bring you on here on Cannabis Radio that uh, I'll follow back up with you on. But this was uh, pretty important to talk about. Chris, thanks again for making time to join us again. Website is Hey emjay.com and uh, real quickly let people know what they can find if they you know where they can go ahead and get mj to deliver cannabis in their area and best way to do it heymj.com we we carry a, a large selection of products on average over 750 SKUs. we got some of the best pricing in the city delivered to you or you can come visit one of our stores we cover broader los angeles as well as all of san diego and surrounding areas um, and we're continuing to expand quickly this year. You'll see us in Northern California. You'll see us in surrounding cities uh, around L.A. Um, so we're, we're excited for the year ahead. All right. Thank you again for making time. Thank you, listeners, for listening in. As always, like you do, we'll talk to you next time. The opinions expressed on this CannabisRadio.com program are those of the guests and hosts and do not necessarily reflect those of the staff and management of CannabisRadio.com. Any rebroadcast, republication, or retransmission of this program without proper consent is prohibited. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.